There is a slight delay on my side, but I feel like it doesn't matter. As long as it sounds fine on your side, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, once we do this, we just turn it into an audio file. So as long as we got the capture of the audio, we are good to go. Unlike improv, I can fix it in post. There you go. Look at that. I was going to say you can fix it with alcohol in person, but... Oh, that, <laughs> that helps with the fixing in post. <laughs> right. Welcome to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. I'm John Mihalik, and I just want to assure you that yes, I know we're a day late. This is two weeks in a row where we dropped a new episode on Monday. I assure you that next week's episode will be back on its usual day, Sunday. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Whole World Improv Theater Podcast. My name is John Mihalik, and my great co-host, the artistic director of Whole World Improv Theater, Chip Powell. Hi, everybody. Uh, very excited about today's episode. We have the very talented Karen Cisse with us today, and we've got a lot to learn from her, especially for our young artists that are tuning in, that are coming up in the ranks. There's nobody better to tell you how to do that than Karen Cisse. So uh, everybody, welcome Karen Cisse. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much. I'm really excited about this. We've been trying to work it out, and I'm so glad we were able to do this. I am too. Really? I know you're busy. We're all busy. Who's not? We were like all not busy at all, and then it like everybody sped back up to catch up. Yes, we've reopened the theater, and we had our first double header last night. We had an eight and a 10 o'clock show last night, which is the first time we've done that in 16 months. Wow. It's crazy. I was just up in New York not too long ago, and it was right when everything was opening back up. And just to see everyone like walking out like outside for the first time, it's like mask, no mask. What can we do? Right. So it's just, very it's fun to see us all. Of course, Georgia, we've been you know at it for a while now. But. Yeah. <laughs> so Karen, tell us the career path you chose to be an actress. How does that start for you? When do you get bitten by the bug? Okay. Well, when we talk about when my um, stuff started, I feel like I came out the womb looking for my light. Like I have a feeling that I came out. I was always one of those kids that talked too much, always wanted a lot of attention, was forcing my family members to make plays and create characters and everything when everybody just wanted to play. But it wasn't until my friend Derek, who I just saw recently and hadn't seen him since like the 90s. He was performing at Freedom Theater. I grew up in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. He was performing at Freedom Theater. We went to support him. I saw it was all children theater and I just was like in awe of them and I looked to my mom and she was like all right so I was enrolled like within a like month or two and that was when I was 10 um going on 11 so I did theater throughout high school I wanted to be an engineer so I was like at the engineering and science school but in the drama club got out graduated went to Spelman that's how I ended up in Atlanta and wasn't doing great in the engineering world and science and math so I took some acting classes just to kind of lift my GPA up my teacher was like I can tell you've had training I don't think it's fair you're in this intro class and she made me do more stuff so that's how I got into like stage management and sound and lights I had to do extra work to earn my A. When I got out, I was waiting tables, didn't know what to do, blah, blah, blah. Started doing audiovisual in um, the industry. Then at 28 was just like, I just want to get back into acting. I just really want to get back into it. 
I took like just a class at the Alliance, just to cut like an intro basic class just to get in. I met Pat Brown, who is a stand-up comedian. She's up in New York now writing. I know she just wrote for the ESPYs too, but she was like, oh, come to class with me. And I took an improv class at Laughing Matters with um, Tommy Futch. And when I took that, it was like, okay, this is me. And so from there, I looked for a course and I found the six-month class at Whole World Theater. That's how I ended up at Whole World. I liked the concept of a six-month class. Because when classes are like six weeks long, especially with improv, like by the time you get to the end of the class, that's when you've just built up trust with people to really kind of go there. So I really like the concept of a six-month class and building trust and working and growing together. At that time, that was the same time you guys were doing the pilot with Castle Rock and kind of got to do that. I was a part of that kind of second movement, I guess. There was all the original people and everyone was kind of getting ready to go to LA or New York. And then we were kind of there like coming up, but it was a real odd time to come because it was a lot of um, people wanted to do more stuff and everything. And so you had the original people that built this city or built that theater. And then the people that were kind of coming up, um, learning from you all. So that is my story to Whole World. Well, and you had a good run at Whole World. You know, what do you think your takeaways are from your time here? Like your character work was fantastic. You know, I mean, we build so many chops for people. We make them sing when they don't want to sing. We right. Them. Rap when they're black and can't rap. Um, <laughs> right, right. I can rap along to other people. I just can't be creating raps in my head on the yeah. spot. If I only had a beat I could drop right now. Right. Boom. Excuse me. I got garage band. No, but um, <laughs> the thing about improv that I loved so much about being there and to this day, like I've always loved creating characters. I actually taught a class at Atlanta Film Festival that was creating characters, like how you build characters. And now with auditions, everything is self-taped. So you really are on your own to get in there, do something clean. And that was one of my favorite things is going into like the wardrobe room and being like, like you would just find an outfit and be like, okay, this is my character. You know what I mean? And and again, I was always one of those people that was always doing weird voices. I always imitated people. I always had accents and, and always did that. But people just thought I was weird. You know what I mean? Growing up. And when I got to Whole World dialect spot, I was like, oh, this is for me. <laughs> like to just go from accent to accent. The number one thing that I have carried with me that is a teaching that I learned at Whole World that I think is essential for all actors is the seven seconds of silence. The seven seconds of silence at the top of the scene to check in with your partner, to connect for you guys to get on the same page before anyone starts running their mouths. You know, the minute people start talking, that's when it can go haywire. But if we're here, we're connected. Now we're a, a group doing this together for other people, as opposed to I'm doing this and you're doing this, which can happen very easily. John, you have something? I was going to go back to, you mentioned uh, how you just grabbed clothes and that's where the character came. Did you find inspiration in other places? Well, I mean, to this day, it's always been a thing where people think I'm making fun of people, but I just automatically mimic people. Like, if I'm watching the news, if I'm watching anything, I just automatically start talking like a person, like a parrot. So sometimes it might be, oh my God, I saw this woman, or oh my God, I saw this thing, I saw this situation. Then, of course, the suggestion that you're given, you know, the who, what, and where, and things like that. But sometimes you just found a wig and was like, I'm going to fit this into this show some kind of way. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I found these boots and a mini dress and I'm going to make a character off of this. I don't care if the audience likes it or not, right? <laughs> you know? 
We used to have that. I used to love like Phil Cater. I haven't seen Phil in forever, but I just remember he did this one character. He found a blonde like Bob Wig and did Daryl Channing, Carol Channing's cousin, and was just like, who was, and it was just off the wig. And it was hilarious. The audience didn't get it, but we were like, they're stupid. They don't know it's funny. It's hilarious. We just had uh, Phil and Jenny on recently. And really? Let me just tell you, they would put on these helmets and just be these kids with these helmets on. And like you're saying, they just found them in the props room. And they're like, let's wear these helmets in this scene for no reason. And they were kids. And it was just hilarious because they made it hilarious. You know, we're going back to 1999 when I'm talking about Karen being involved with us. And, you know, it was a different time, different climate. It was a different era. And uh, my, my very first show, it was 2000, actually, because I started September of 2000 in the six month class and then went to like the. OK, no. I, anyway, maybe January. So anyway, my very first show was supposed to be 9-11. That, that was my first show after graduating six months and in the apprentice group and doing a performance was 9-11. So that's how long ago it was. It's been 20 yeah. years now. <laughs> Look, I'm like. <laughs> I know, that was a lot. Right. I'm sorry. Was that not supposed to do the math? <laughs> was that not supposed to do the math? <laughs> Honestly, Karen, you're the first person to actually give us a firm date. Right. Of <laughs> yeah. any kind. Right. We had Michael Sweeney and Sarah Baker on and. I have the audio somewhere. It didn't make it to air, but she's asking right in the beginning, do we have to like be, you know, hardcore with dates? Because I'm, I'm not a date person. She's in LA, you know. She can't no. be telling everyone how old she is. <laughs> True. Hey, you've been listening to people talk about improv, so why not try it yourself? Whole World Improv Theater has in-person improv classes for beginners and seasoned actors alike. No prior experience is needed. Our class program is eight weeks long and full of people just like you who want to learn and have a lot of fun. Just check out our website to learn more or sign up. The website is wholeworldtheater.com. And that's theater with an R-E at the end. Because we're fancy. The one thing that we have really enjoyed about doing the podcast is kind of talking about what are the things from whole world that after you left here, what were those things that kind of helped you with auditions, with moving on and, you know, like talk about your departure from whole world. Well, it was weird because I kind of left for a little while. I went out to LA for a bit, came back, did some shows and then I got pregnant. Like Jenny, her daughter, and my son are like a month apart, I yeah. think, or something yeah. like that. Right. You know, once motherhood comes in, it's just an odd thing and getting babysitters and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So that was really around when I like officially left, you know, when I was a mom and just had to be in the mom world, which happens to many of us women, right? You know, but I definitely, I really, really miss performing. I miss the freedom of improv to just create on the spot and push and the freedom of being with other people who are really talented and confident in pushing boundaries to find the funny. Definitely listening skills. Listening skills are essential. And I know like now most of our auditions are, um, you know, are self-taped. So we don't really get a chance to work with other people a lot of times, but 
when you have like a callback or something, you could always tell when you're in that room with that person who is just focused on themselves. And again, they don't check in with you. They don't listen. They're not paying attention. I'm not reading this line the way you practiced it in your head. So you need to be responding to me. With improv, I think everyone should take improv. Like even people who aren't actors because of the need to listen and adjust, you know, the whole yes and concept. Yes, I hear you. I'm listening. And let me add this to what you said instead of yes, but yes, no, 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 you know, no, but the yes and concept and philosophy of improv is essential just for life. You know, you can say politicians, if they took a weekend improv class together, let's see, you know, what happens when they do some zip zaps off. That is essential to improv. And it's also the, um, the creativity to just really push the bounds and not be focused on negating myself. You know, oh, that's going to be stupid. Oh, this is, that's not going to work. This is, yeah. let's just do it. Let's just try it. Let's just do it. It's also helped me as a writer. You know, I write a lot now and just the way to formulate, come up with uh, characters, come up with storylines, the beginning, middle, and end. Okay, what's going to get me out of this scene? What is the climax? What is, when does the tension change? How can I layer these emotions more? All of that stuff I learned through studying improv and especially at Whole World. I do want to talk to you because, you know, we had Lance and Jim on our first episodes. You know, one of the things that, you know, I ran into you at his launch of his production company. Right. And you were in the works writing your own show. Can you kind of tell us right. what that's about and how, where it is now? Currently, it is in development. It's still in development with um, Lawrence Fishburne's company. So we were able to do that um, with Cinema Gypsy. But you know, Hollywood, things take time. But it is about my Spellman sister, Erica Brown. Her mother is Elaine Brown. And she was appointed by Huey, uh, Huey Newton to run the Black Panther Party when he left to go to Cuba. So it's been a long time since I've been out of college. I'm not going to do that math right here, but it's been... <laughs> Longer than whole world, of course. And just throughout the years, I would hear Erica talking about, because she was like a little kid growing up in the Black Panther Party, but wasn't a Panther. And she'd be like, oh, that was that time we had to march with um, Cesar Chavez. And like, you know, um, I mean, there was a Scooby-Doo marathon on, so I really wanted to watch that. And I was mad about that. So like, you know, but we had to go. Like, I think Jane Fonda was there or something. You know, like she'd say something. Oh, that was that time that Ike and Tina Turner were performing, but you know, Ike was on coke. So like a fight broke out because he wanted his money there. So my mom was in a fight with one of the Ikeettes, and you know, and so I'm like, Erica, I think this needs to be a show. So that's how we got to Lance. It was right at the time. And that's what it's about, her growing up in the party and her mom being a woman who, you know, people tend to have, I'm hoping now as we're seeing media and how media has rolled out over the decades, that the Black Panther Party has been portrayed as terrorists and they're not. But I don't want to get all into that. But the fact is, is it's about a mom who's in an industry, you know, who she's in control and she's in charge when women weren't, when Black women weren't. And she was a mom first and a leader second. And sometimes it would be a leader first and a mom second. And that is really what the story is about is how they maintain this relationship in an incredible, incredible period of time. You know, when the FBI is watching. 
That sounds like an incredible story, a very powerful story. And all I can think about right now is Scooby-Doo meets Cesar Chavez. Right? He didn't do a guest star with the Harlem Globetrotters? I don't know. Right? All I can think about right now, all, all I can think about is, so I say Scooby, that cocaine now. Yeah, we're striking today, Scooby. Right? We're striking for the people. Really? <laughs> okay, Reggie, right? You know. <laughs> not trying to, you know, simplify the movement because that's not what it was. Yeah. But it was more because there were people involved. And yeah. people are multidimensional and not just a series of statements or pictures, mm -hmm. um, however powerful. So well and yeah. um it's interesting. I was I've been working on a script. I was working on it before we started for submission to another group for production. So talk to me about, so you go from acting, you go into improv, you then start to work in television. Now you're working as a writer and hopefully producing is directing in this scheme here. Well, it all is. You know, I think there's been such a mass change and so much of it is due to social media where we can no longer be just actors or just writers or just whatever. We have to be content creators. We have to be able to create on a multitude of levels. It's important to know that you have to develop all of these skills nowadays. You can't just show up and think you're going to work. Um, and I mean, you still work as an actor and everything, but right now people are looking for multi-skilled people. So yeah, directing, producing, it's all there. I produced mm -hmm. things back when um I was that whole world. I used to do a lot of sketches, but it required so much more back then. Well, and you were talking about where you were teaching character. Where was that? Um, I teach, well, I taught this one class twice at Atlanta Film Festival. So creating characters, I taught that. And it's about the audition process in now that everything is self-taped, Atlanta was already in the self-tape world. And then the pandemic forced everyone else to catch up. But, you know, before you'd have like the casting director that could give you some type of um, information or you get more stuff. But now there's so many projects, which is great. But you got to sign NDAs, you get minimal amount of information. So you have to find a way to connect with material that you don't have all the information, don't know. Sometimes you don't know if it's comedy or drama and you just have one page. So how do you go in there, create a fully dimensional character that doesn't look like a costume and make it real and authentic and bring yourself out in the role? It's important to not, I would say it's not about you becoming the character. It's about you making the character you. I think it's also, it speaks volumes to the fact that you reach out to different organizations and try to empower women. And I think it's so important. I love that we have always celebrated women here and that mm -hmm. we, you know, sometimes we have an all girl show and we've got tons of women performing with us now. And it's so empowering for other actresses. So for me, it just, it speaks volumes to what you've been doing. Do you, can you talk a little bit about what you are involved in as far as the community goes? When I started there, that's when I was heavily involved with Women in Film and Television Atlanta. I think it was just Women in Film Atlanta back then. But I've got four sisters. Uh, I went to a women's college. So issues of women um, in the industry and then specifically, more specifically Black women have always been something that has concerned me. And many of the things at Spelman, they always teach us to reach back. HBCUs, that is a real concept of we know that we're not alone. We know that there are people coming up behind us and we have to reach back and help. 
I was just saying recently, you know, people that were my mentors when I was starting out and everything, and now I've kind of shifted into mentor role. And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. I'm, you know, Deborah Duke was a, an artist here, an actress here and teacher. Um, and everyone knew her and she was phenomenal and great. Um, and she passed away a few years ago. And it's like, oh my goodness, are we in that mode now where I'm giving nuggets of advice to people? And I'm like, wow, this is crazy. Adair Simon, who was also a mentor of mine and who has passed away, she was president of Women in Film, you know, while I was there and everything. And so she would always pull me aside. Hey, you know, watch this or do this. This is what you need to do. This is who you need to talk to. And so I try to make a point to do that as well um, in any kind of instance. And for, you know, young women out there listening to our podcast, I mean, if they look at your work, they're going to see, you know, someone who not only came through the ranks of television and then started doing films with Owen Wilson. And I mean, you've done so much, but then you get on the one, well, actually two of the most popular shows, like you're on Stranger Things and then you're on Walking Dead and you're probably one of the- I'm still alive on Walking Dead. I'm still alive. (laughs) Still alive, girl. That's what I'm saying. Still alive on The Walking Dead. It's unbelievable. Right. Let, let me tell you something about, oh, you had a question. Okay. Yeah, but I yeah, want to I'm just like, uh, what's the secret? You're good at avoiding zombies or you've paid off a producer? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I never know until they call. And then when you get the script, you like, you just skip through it just to see. Am just I still sure alive? You're not macheted <laughs> yeah. to death at the end. Now I did do, I'm getting ready to re-edit them because I burned them out last year, waiting until the last minute, but I did do a series of like behind the scenes stuff, um, stories, because I always have taken a lot of pictures, um, more now than when I first, when you first start, you're like, I don't want anybody thinking I'm taking pictures and posting them, where I just tell behind the scenes stories of what happened. Like there was one time where, you know, we're doing like a funeral scene, because you know, somebody died, um, and we're like, uh you know, we're in between being silly. And it's like, who's that person? Who, who's that? Oh, what? He's really tall and very, very, he had presents and all. I'm like, who is that? Oh, oh, it's Marilyn Manson. <laughs> He's here to see Norman. Of course. Yeah. So that's like, like, you know, I was taught how to throw knives by Zach Brown of the Zach Brown band. Like stuff like that is really cool. Um, And you don't think about that being your job. But I do want to say this much about how improv helped me. When I auditioned for the internship with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, you know, I auditioned for it, whatever. I went to the callback and it was me and three white women. So usually that means, okay, we liked you, but we're probably going to want a white girl, but we liked you. And then when I got in there, I did the scene and they, were, they gave me another scene to do. And they were like, can you get this together? Yeah. So I went off, got it together, learned my lines, changed my look, whatever, stopped by TJ Maxx or whatever, picked up some stuff, came in. Did my scene, they were like, okay, are you okay with improv? And I'm like, boom, you're speaking my language right now. So now I'm improv with, you know, with Sean Levy, who at the time I didn't know, but fast forward to find out, he's definitely, he's the executive producer of Stranger Things and everything. But because of my improv skills, because of my ability to just kind of go with it and go there and not be nervous, that's why I booked that part. And that was a part that wasn't even open to Atlanta talent initially. So I got to do that scene with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson and BJ Novak. And we improved a whole lot. And Sean Levy was impressed with the fact that I could improv and I could hold my own with Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, who, you know, when they get going, it's like, boom. And because of people who I'd worked with on the stage, the whole world, I'm like, you're not about to steamroll me. Of course it's them. So I can't, you know, take shine for them. But um, yeah, it's, you always will need improv. Well, I have to say, that you're an inspiration, not only to me, 
You are a alumni of Whole World. We love you and would love for you to come back sometime and join us on stage. You're an inspiration to all the young women that are coming up in the ranks that, you know, after 26, almost 27 years of us being here, we've seen so much talent come through here. And I'm excited for when this airs, the younger generation being able to be inspired by what you've just talked about. So we want to thank you so much for being on our episode today. Thank you. Continue to create because I love every time I'm watching something and I, my poor husband, I'm like, oh my God, Bob, there's Karen, say hi. Well, you know, we know, Bob, we were at the wedding, so you know, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's so amazing just to have this kind of relationship, a long-term relationship, and to see where everyone has kind of gone on since whole world. Tiffany, Sarah, Michael Sweeney, you know, just seeing everybody. I am just honored to be in company with everyone who I got to work with. And it was really, really a great point in my life. And I had so much fun there and fed me as an artist more than probably anything that I've done since. Well, thank you so much, and hopefully we'll see you on the screen soon. Yes, hopefully. We'll see. Um, and I'd love to come back. I'm really, really looking forward to, to coming back and just seeing um, who's there now and how you guys are doing things now. So We will begin writing a Scooby-Doo meets Marilyn Manson show <laughs> just for you. There we go. And you know, my son loves Scooby-Doo, too. So he's All right. <laughs> thank you so much, Karen. All right. Karen. All right. Thank you. You guys have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Whole World Improv Podcast and keep enjoying that new podcast smell. The Whole World Improv Podcast is a production of Whole World Improv Theater in association with Headspace Industries. The executive producer, writer, and generalissimo for life is Chip Powell. The producer, writer, and everything else is John Mihalik. Every Everything else. What, what the hell does that even mean? Original music by The Gentle Readers. Please help support this podcast by liking, subscribing, and leaving us a review. John's therapist said it would be good for him to receive some validation, so don't let him down. Whole World Improv Theater is a 501c3 nonprofit theater. Please support by donating at our website, wholeworldtheater.com. And remember, it's tax deductible, so you're not only supporting the arts, but you're sticking it to the man. Additional writing and voiceover from me, Kate Arlo. And never send John to Starbucks. I'm still waiting on my venti mocha latte mochaccino foya rosca uh, mocha chocolata uh, marmalade drink. I don't know. I panic every time I pull up to the window. I don't know about you guys. Is that weird? Like, I feel like I should have it down by now, but I don't. It's been a long time. It's just, like one of these days. I'll say it smoothly. I won't stutter. Huh. <laughs> I know there's a size up from um, Benti, and it's always a bad idea. Don't do it. You'll be shaking for the next two days. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Uh-oh. I don't even think it wants to end. Um, I'm You're going to have to end me. You'll have to end me. It's not you. It's me, Karen. I'm ending things. Okay. Well, fine, then. End it. It's all I can do. It's all you make me feel.